How are you guys this morning? Good? Good, 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 good. Um, Father, I just pray for, uh, for us, for everybody in this room, and I pray for the folks who aren't in this room. Some of our family's not here, and I know some are traveling, and some have actually work that made them work and stuff. And um, you know, I think it's very square of me, um, and maybe very old school, but um, when I was growing up, we weren't, Christ- we weren't Christians. I found it totally annoying, but uh, the only thing you could do on a Sunday was buy, like, prescriptions. Like, the- everything was closed. And even the people who weren't saved just weren't open because it was just everybody took it. The whole country just took a day off. And I'm really not that old. I mean, I guess I'm older than some, but. So just pray for the folks who are uh, maybe trapped at work today, trying to earn a buck. For the people who uh, may have things competing just for their time, who we love, who are our friends. And for the, really for the tons of people in our community who, um, if you ask them, just claim no faith at all. They might say, oh, I'm Hindu or, or I'm Jewish or I'm Christian or Catholic or whatever answer they might give. But that just on a real blind survey, 80% of them say year after year, they just don't do anything. But spirituality is just not really a big thing. And my heart's been breaking this week, and I'm sure everybody's. The more we pray... You know, I'm standing in the middle of all these prayers. This is like a fraction of the amount of prayers I know that have gone up this week. But I read them uh, every time I come to, you know, like prayer time, six, twelve, six, and I just read through whatever's new and read through whatever's old and lift them up to you. And it's just a fraction, God, of the hearts. And I just read card after card where people's hearts are breaking just because it's almost like sometimes I feel like we don't even know how to reach people like I, like, I don't even know how to reach through wokeness. But I want to, and, I, and I'm not judgmental, but I just, like, I don't even know if I can speak the language. And so I, we just, God, it breaks my heart, God. I've had the most incredible week this morning. I had the most awesome prayer time in the world with you. And I would have never thought that. I would have never thought that was my life or would be my life. And, um, but it's just been incredible. Like, I mean, and that, that's why I started teaching. That's why I left business, was so people could have this crazy thing that I have, the band was singing about. Like, I'll become even more ridiculous than this. Like, I've just, oh. So our hearts, God, go out um, to all those who don't know you, to those who may be distant from you. But two, I just pray for us. That, like, you look at us where we hurt because we want to help people or we don't know how maybe or or they won't listen, or just we have our own hurts, our own pains, the things we're healing from. Just be with us, God. Thanks. I know everybody has maybe a different perspective on prayer. We've spent a week, and I hope you've joined us from wherever you're at. But there's been something incredible happening in this place, and so I just want to extend that invitation to you that at 6 in the morning, that at 12, noon, and that at 6, you can come here because somebody will be here. And there's something that's just so incredibly powerful um, when you just watch people pray differently. We all have our different traditions. We have our different things to pray. There just seems to be this, this incredible power that builds when we're here. 
I broke um, into Doug version of tears this morning. Uh, actually, nobody came this morning. I'm so glad. Next Sunday, don't come. Don't be here at 6 in the morning. Dude, I had the stereo turned up so loud, I think I got a noise complaint from the neighbors. And I was just singing song after song to him and just working through my own stuff, um, just working through my own stuff. And there's so many challenges to this. You know, I've, I've, I've heard all kinds of things, uh, a lot of encouragement from some posts I put up on the internet and, and then some challenges, you know, and what do you expect God to do? <laughs> I expect God to do whatever he wants to do. Well, it doesn't always have to be the mountaintop. I'm like, I get that. It's not always going to be the mountaintop. What the heck? I'm still going to try to get there. That's just stupid. God says he'll inhabit the prayers and praises of his people. How can you spend 21 days praying and not expect 21 to be way better than one? Yeah, maybe there's a point where things level out. Day five, day six, it wasn't, I still had a great time, but it was more like this, but I was still learning. It's, still, it's not about all of that. It's about whatever he delivers to you. I just want to be in his presence, and I'll take whatever happens inside of that presence. This morning, it was just total joy for me. Yesterday, it was total sorrow. You could ask Amber, the church is breaking. When I came in this morning, I read some prayers and they just, they killed me. Uh, they're written pretty crooked. I think I know who wrote them. A kid. God, I pray so that everyone believes with an S in you. Please draw them. Now, how does an eight-year-old or five-year-old or seven-year-old or whatever get that? God, I pray that Erica believes in God. I don't know who Erica is, but I know who's praying for her. I remember my daughter used to pray. Um, we used to kneel in the doorway there, the big doors as you go out, and we would stop and pray. And I didn't care what she prayed. Every time we left, we would pray. I didn't care what she prayed. I would just pray to God and make it come true so that she would see him. See, this is what you dream of with your kids. God, I pray that everyone will worship God every day. Father, fan the flame, grow the seed, show me all the opportunities along the way. Eight, seven, eight year old. Cool picture. I love you, God, and your angles. <laughs> the angles are a part of your army, A-R-M-E. This is cracking me up. And that is cool. God, I love you because you created the earth and you created me. I love you. For those of you who do not believe that there is power in you being present in the presence of God, I challenge you. Because some child who came with his mom, who loves the Lord, who gave her time, caught this. We are the advanced squad of the next generation. 
I'm not saying come to a prayer time so your kid will get this. What I'm saying is if you come to a prayer time, your kid will get this. Can they get it home? Yeah. They can. But not unless we stand in his presence. We have to remember where we came from. We have to remember the beauty of who he is. This, this week of just praying for God's... I mean, there's all kinds of prayers up here. A couple for me and other people. Very calm prayers. Be present in our heart. Be present in the daycare. Some like be present, like, you know, glow. Do whatever it takes to win the world. Like, I don't know about you guys. There is a part of me, I, I'm totally got both feet on the ground. But like, I just, I, I really feel like we're back in Jesus days. Everybody's done religion so long, they're numb. And it's like, I need John to be given the gift to like uh, turn water into wine or something. You know what I mean? He just goes and he goes to, goes to like the you know, business association meeting. He goes, watch this. Ah! And they all believe. Like I think they, like people are just numb. But it's been an incredible week. And all this week, us asking being his presence has been predicated or built upon the idea that his presence is more important than his provision. We started this 21 days of prayer because we don't know what we're doing. We're being blessed all over the place. Right, Dwayne? Your ministry, being blessed. Daycare, Kendra, being blessed, full capacity. Sustainable discipleship, we don't have a day open between now and Christmas. We're all over the place. The church, you know, we still got these chairs, but I'm watching the people light on fire. And I'm watching us reach more people, and we're getting a heart for the community, and we're working on the community inside. Don't, don't forget that community circle is not just out there. It's, it's in here. Like, we got to be bulletproof, kids. Like, we, gotta, you know, we can't go out and do battle for God if we're not ready, but we're just watching all this blessing go, and we don't know how to do it all. Are you tired, Jamie? Yeah. Katie, tired? There's just not enough hours in the day, and you guys are starting to kick in, and you know there's just not enough hours in the day. Had a great time at the whole tacos and trivia, then they're here till like 9.30, 9.45, clean up. I'm like, maybe we shouldn't have done this. But at the same time, we all want to what? Do this. So it's just like, God, how do we do all this? We, these are the opportunities you laid before us. How do I get there? That's where we started this, with this yearning. We've been so busy, we feel like we haven't been in his presence, and we need his provision. But, but we just, all of a sudden, it dawned, I think, on all of us. Being in his presence is what started all this. My salvation's what got me here. If we don't have that, if, 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 if Greg doesn't have that daily time where he's filled up, then the rest of this is just garbage. A, it, we're, we're going to run out of steam. But it's not even that. It's just like, who cares how busy and successful we are, how many books we sell, how many people get saved if everybody dies in the process, withers on the vine. So this has been the smartest thing we've done. Like, we, we haven't done this in a long time. Going, just taking some time has been incredible. And all because his presence is more important than provision. And, it, and all this launched for us last week off Exodus 33:15, where Moses said to God, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us go. Like, just don't make us leave this place. If you're going to personally go with us, don't leave, don't make us go. So here they are. God's marched them. He's freed them from slavery, right? He's marched them up to the ed edge of the Red Sea, and they're like, we can't get across. He parts it, they go. He's providing food. They're on their way to the promised land, right? And Moses and God are in conversation, and Moses is like, if you're not going with us, don't make us go. And here's his reason why. I love this. How will anyone know that you, God, look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? I love that. For your presence among us 
set your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. So we can all work for Habitat for Humanity. You know, everybody can build a house. But if we go, his people, with his power and his presence, we're going to be set apart while we build. That's what he's saying. We don't do works, God, that are bigger than us. This journey you're sending us on, God, is huge. And if we just go with just your power and they don't see you, they're going to think we're just strong. But they're not going to see you. God, we want them to see you. We want this to be so big and so incredible and your presence so visible. Your presence is, you hear it, more important than your provision, right? Why, God? Why do I want you to go with me? So you'll be seen. So you'll get glory. Because people need to know we're different. And you're incredible. We get this too, right? I mean, we're, we're, you got to know if you guys realize it. But it, we're just in the middle of this crazy dream. Like, like, how many years did we pray the daycare would be full? Now we're talking about building another classroom. How many years did we dream about differently abled adults and kids and doing something with them? We got a really solid beginning, right? Like y'all are eating, right? That's how we got to get to eating, and then we can go beyond that, right? And it seems like every week, Dwayne's bringing somebody else up to me and going, this is new so-and-so. It's just so cool. And I'm driving Kinder Nuts. I'm like, did you get your floater? What a terrible job description. <laughs> You're a floater. <laughs> I've been eating a lot of fat in my diet. <laughs> okay, anyway, right? It's a terrible job description. And she's like, not yet. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry if I'm nagging you, but I'm just, I'm now expecting God to provide. Yeah. Right? So he's expecting him to provide. And it's just changing and changing. And with sustainable discipleship, I just don't really know what to do anymore because now there are so, before it was I didn't have time to write because we were developing things. Now it's I don't have time to develop things because of the meetings that are just all over the globe. For those you don't know, we're, we're headed to help the Church of England. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody does that. I don't know. I guess the Church of England's a big thing, and I just don't know yet. But whenever I say, we're going to help the Church of England, people go, oh, cool. I, so I'll figure it out when I get there. Hawaii, right? Richmond, whatever. And you're like, oh, that's what. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, like, it's just overwhelming. Who wants to go on this journey without him? I don't. I'll tell you, we've, we have been with him. We haven't abandoned him. But we've been missing his presence. We've been getting exhausted. And any of you who've seen me over the last couple months can tell in my face, this week has done a good thing for me. We need to remember where we started. It's just not worth it if we help all these churches. Like I wrote that down on my prayer sheet this morning, wherever it is. I wrote, like, God, is it okay for me to, to quit Everything, quit church, not, not like I'll be here, but not teach, not lead, not be responsible for you and all your problems, um, and, and not, help, you know, not feel bound to help, and don't do SD just so I can be in your presence. Like, can I just do that? Would it be okay for me to say, yeah, sorry, I could help, I, I want to help you, but no, I want to be here at this altar in the presence of God. I don't... It, it, listen, we haven't done anything wrong. I'm not even chastising us. We're, we, we're just chasing after what God told us. We asked God to invite us to do things. He gave us three things he invited us to. Now he's invited four. And we're just doing it. We're just chasing him. 
but we missed that. We, we, I'm so glad we did this because I, it, we've missed that presence and we're not missing anymore. So as we go ahead and we, we look for like um, just more unexplicably big growth, I think the question is, uh, that, that comes down inside for me is that we, we say we don't want to go if you don't want to go with us, right? And, and your presence is more important than your um, provision. I can do this without it, but I'd rather not. Can you fix this? They can just edit this out, or people online can just chill. Here, you're going to probably need that. Um, but, but, but you take a step back, and you begin to look at this, and you have to say, you know, okay, all that's great. But, but when you read the story where Moses is saying, we don't want to go unless you go, and then he gives the reason because people need to see we're different. When you read around that story, I, I never noticed this until this time that are, all these years, I never noticed it until this time when I read Exodus. And this time when I read uh, Exodus, in verses 2 and 3, it, it says this. God's, God's like sending him, and he says this. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. By the way, all the ites were against God. So they, all the ites had moved into God's country, which is now Israel, and, and they were just kind of borrowing the land. And God, God gave them a choice, like you can leave. Well, he's three choices. You could leave, you could become followers, or you can die. But, but that's it. So you, you can leave, be driven out, or you can stay and just worship me. Like they, they had plenty of choice. But God said this, I'll send an angel before you to drive out all these people, and you'll go into a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you. Get this. I will not go up among you lest I, what? Consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Holy cuckoo. Who wants that said of you? Felicia, I'm God, and I will bless you because I've made all these promises, and you're a believer. But you are so miserably stiff-necked. Though I'll provide for you, I will not be in your presence. Why? Lest I kill you. This is why Moses went back and said, uh-uh, uh-uh. Then don't make us go. Just leave us here. Don't want to go out there without you. There's in this story too, you'll see in verses like six and seven, the people all mourn and they rip their clothes because they realize they've really messed up bad. Because God, after God said this to him, basically, you know, he's just saying, like, you're just so messed up and you're so stiff necked and you're just about yourself. I mean, I'm going to keep my promises because I'm God. I said, you could have the land and I'll send angels, but I ain't going. I'll send provision, but I'm not going to be associated with you people. Because I'll probably kill you. And if I don't kill you, yeah, woodshed. So the problem is, is that they're, they're just not pure in heart. And what stiff-necked is this idea of, even though I see God, then I question him. Think about the Israelites, right? He leads them across the Red Sea, and then they complain because they're hungry. So he gives them food to eat every day, and then they complain because the menu options aren't big enough. So then he gives them more menu options, and then they complain because he gave them too many. Then they're thirsty, and they complain, so he gives them water from the rock. But then they complain because he wants them to move. But he has a pillar of fire over them by day and a pillar of cloud by night. I think that would be cool. 
So they knew exactly where to go. And they still what? Complain. They're stiff-necked. He brings them out the edge of the promised land. They go in with the spies. They look at it. It's a land flowing milk and honey. It's awesome. God says, I'll give it to you. And they're like, well, we need to take a vote. So they vote 11 to 1 not to go. 11 to 2. 10 to 2. Not to go. They don't go. So God's just like, you're stiff-necked. I'm not going. What would it be like for us? As we head off in this daycare thing that God, we really feel like told us to do, differently abled, keyless house, sustainable discipleship, and just us as a community, trying to fill these chairs, trying to reach out in the community. What would it be like if we do all of that, but we, he's just like, I won't go with you. You're stiff-necked. You're not pure. I don't know about you. I don't really feel stiff-necked. Like, I really want to follow God. Does that make sense? Like, nobody drags me to, to give. Nobody drags me to come to prayer. I just, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just old enough. Maybe I, maybe I just don't have any temptations anymore. You know, I don't know. But I don't feel stiff-necked, and I want to follow God. But I got to tell you this. While I was, I knelt in the same place. This is my spot. And you probably noticed that I have pins and stuff here. Sorry. You can get your own spot. And then, so I'm, I'm praying. And even though I don't feel stiff-necked, the more I sat in his presence, I kept hearing him just say, like, all kinds of little things to me. Like, do you really believe, Doug? What do you mean, do I really believe? Like, when you say you believe in me, it sounds pretty crazy, right? I rose from the dead. My spirit's inside you. I, talk, I mean, it's pretty fantastical. I'm like, God, no, I believe. And he's like, really? Then why aren't you keeping the Sabbath? I'm like, what? I came here to be in your presence, God. I want to be your majestic presence. And he's like, you are. And where there is light, darkness is highly visible. All week long, I faced conviction. There's a card up here that says, let me be a better husband. I didn't put my name on it, but I guess I just confessed. I don't know that I'm a bad husband, but God just pounded me and was like, like, like I think she has some needs that you need to be meeting, or at least you need to be aware of, or you... Just check, Doug, check it. Just conviction after conviction. He challenged me this. Do I trust in what? Chariots and horses? Like the stuff he's given us, the building? Good, you know, a good discipleship program, a great daycare. Do I trust in those things to conquer, to win, to reach people for Christ? Or do I trust in what? His spirit to do it all. Am I saying if it's got to be, it's on me? Or, or am I surrendered and saying, these are the convictions. He challenged me again and again. Like, have I ever seen him part the waters? Have I ever seen him drop food from heaven? When's the last time I saw him heal somebody? I have seen that. But when's the last time? Like, do you really believe in me, God? And I'm like, I believe in you. I get it. I don't need miracles to follow you. And he's like, that's not what I asked you. Do you believe in me? Do you believe that with a snap of a finger I could fill every chair in Ackworth in every church? I could call people from the four corners of the earth to come and do ministry and missions to the 80% of the lost here. You're not in this alone. Do you trust in me? And it went on and it went on and it went on. It's like being in his presence called me to purify myself. 
And it kind of reminds me of what this thing is going on. They're getting ready to go towards the promised land, and God, God says, I'll send all my troops. You're going to be good, but I'm not going. And what's he saying? You're impure. I will not go with you. And it's almost like me being in his presence or some things where he's saying, I'm, I'm around you. But there's, um, on the other hand, this kind of paradox, right? Because I was in his presence, get it? And then he kind of raised some issues, maybe of purification, right? But the Israelites, the way it worked for them, God said, I won't go with you, what? Unless you get purified. So I was asking this question, which is, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, we know the answer to that question, right? The chicken. It says in Genesis, God created the chicken. He didn't create the egg. There would have been nothing to sit on the egg. He created the chicken, male and female. He created the chicken. But which, which comes first, your purification or his presence? Or his presence, then your purification? And the answer to all of this is yes. <laughs> yes, his presence comes before purification. Yes, Purification comes before his presence. And I think both are true. In fact, I know both are true. Let me tell you about four kinds of purification real quick. Um, if you're a note taker, you have fun with this. There's not going to be a slide. I'm going to tell you, but there's no slide that details these. There's this, this, what I call the initial purification. This is like when you got saved. MJ, you're saved, right? Cool. So you're a believer in Christ, right? Do you remember that moment? Like you did. You, you got out spiritual sponges and you cleaned yourself, right? No, you did not. You, you didn't. Somehow, God convinced you. No, somehow God convinced you, I'm God, right? Maybe it was a really great message, but deep down inside, the Spirit said, I'm God. I don't care about all the hypocrites. I'm God. Believe in me. Trust me. And all you said was what? I believe. And he cleaned you. That's his promise. He forgave your sin. He removes your shame. He seals your name. Right? And you did what? Jack. You did nothing to purify yourself. So in that case, presence came before purification. He brought his presence in. You accepted him. His presence came more into you, the Holy Spirit, and he purified you. That's one. Two, I like this. How about spontaneous purification? I like this one. This is when you're just like bopping along in a prayer time, and God says, you aren't keeping my Sabbath. <laughs> but by the way, this is a big deal to God. If you don't take a day of rest and don't go, but I like mowing, so it's restful to me. No, no, no. He said physical, mental, emotional, spiritual rest. He designed this entire planet to run on a six-day cycle, seven-day cycle. Six on, one off. I don't care what you think. Did you know the Israelites went into captivity because they didn't keep the Sabbath? They didn't take a day off. And in the end, they didn't let their land rest every seventh year. By the way, if you know any farmers, they always do this to this day. It lets the, the land regenerate. It's scientific. Science, again, proves God. So the spontaneous purification, God reached out and goes, Darn, you aren't keeping the Sabbath. And I say what? Heard, received, I'm done. And he goes, so which came first, the purification or the presence in that case? The presence preceded the purification. But let me flip it on you. Let me flip it on you. 
Um, how about continued purification? So we have what? Initial, spontaneous, continued. Continued purification. Let me read you the scripture. All scripture is what? Breathed out by God, right? And profitable for teaching, reproof, which means you're wrong. Fix it. Correction, which means you're wrong. <laughs> and training in righteousness. To prepare all of us for all the good works on this planet. So how, do I, how does that get in me? All scripture. Say it. All scripture. Which means what? I take in God's truth, right? And as I take in God's truth, it begins to refine me, right? And it gets me to a place where I'm more in his what? His presence. And in this case, it is my own choice of purification to be washed by the word, is the way the scripture puts it, that brings me closer to his presence. All right, how about, how about this last one? I got mountaintop valley but I love this one, the mountaintop valley. Those moments like this morning when I find myself standing in this aisle and, and I eyes are closed and I'm so lost that every time I bump into a chair, I just go the other way because I was dancing. And I have my eyes closed. And you're just there. Like you're just, you're in that moment. It's like King David. The song they said, I'll become what even more ridiculous like this. That song is about King David worshiping in the presence of God and the presence God feels him. And, and he's out there dancing in his, like, underclothes and dancing. And he's, and, and he's like, you're ridiculous. And he's like, I'll be even more ridiculous. This is my God. He's just lost. Right? He just, he's just absolutely lost. But all those times come from decisions. David chose to obey God and return the what, Ark of the Covenant to what? Its rightful place. David's a great example. This. Time and time again, you see where David went in the middle of things, when he was doing well, he would say, God, hey, is there anything else I need to do? David's words echo in my heart. These mountaintop moments, right? These mountaintop moments are always, always, listen to me, if you want to have rock star mountaintop moments where you're like, oh, God! It is all about purification, not presence. It is about you purifying your schedule and making time to be on the mountaintop. It is about you choosing to pray. I'm just telling you straight up. It is, is every time it's a mountaintop, it's about you walking up there with him and then you encounter the presence. So it's both ways. It alternates back and forth. Is, it, is his presence come before purification? And the answer is, yes. oh, you people. Is the answer is, yes. Okay, and, and is it purification comes before his presence? And the answer is, it, and is his what? Is his presence more important than purification? Yeah. And our purification. Sorry, his presence is more important than his provision. And, and our purification is actually more important than his provision. Who, who cares if he gives us everything if we're rotten inside? And I don't mean that mean like we're bad. I'm just saying, like, what good does it do you to what? Gain the whole world and lose your soul. So, so his presence, his purification go hand in hand. But purity is a big deal. When I live pure, when I choose to live according to God's ways, and by the way, purity is not just about getting rid of your sin. Purity is not just about don't. Purity is about do. Don't do this, but do this. Purity is about this. How about this? Do you think that you can worship God in purity while you're full of shame? See, you can't. You need to let him wash that away too. 
You can be purified of sin, purified of the results of sin, purified of what? Shame. Purified of what? Fear. Purified. Purified. I'm standing. I've made a choice. I'm in the presence. He purifies me. Me standing purified, which I cannot do on my own, listen to me, says to the whole world what? Jesus saves. How, how do you do it, Doug? How do you face all this trial? And then, because Jesus saves. I could have never done this man. I would have just started drinking. Like all the stuff I faced. Anybody want to go amen on that? Like I traded the bottle, right, for Jesus. I promise you. But living purified honors God as God. But living purified is also the only path for me to abundant life. He offers abundant eternal life. Nobody else offers it. So either I walk that way or I don't get it. But this is even maybe more important. Living purified is important to others. These prayers down here. That mom and her purity, her making time for him, purity, following him, is blessing her child. Her child, whether he gets it or not, knows there's a God. How about your neighbor? How about the 80%? We go out there all along. If we're a bunch of hypocrites, all they're going to do is say what? Well, I've been to that church before. Right? But if we go out there and we're so astonishingly different, then they will see God. You, hear, you get Moses' words now, right? You have to go with us so they know that you're God. All right. I don't want to go. I don't know about you. I hope you're with me. I don't want to go on this journey without his presence. And I want to be pure. Because our purification is also, just like presence, more important. And when it comes to this, I, all kinds of things well up inside me. Like I can remind you of Jesus. Let me tell you, let me give you this principle, how purity is more important than provision. Let me remind you of Jesus. Are you ready? Listen, all of you, look at me. That's, don't, don't, I'm going to get old school for a minute, but just know I love you. Everybody read that word on that wall. That wall. It says Sanctuary. Like, I think sometimes we, we know we don't have to have a place because he lives in our heart, but this is his place. It's like, <laughs> so listen for his word. Don't listen to me, but these are his words. Let me remind you of Jesus and how important purification was more than what provision. When they lowered the paralytic man through the roof, right, they were so zealous and everybody was getting healed, and they lower him down, and Jesus it's just admires their, their, oh, God, let's get there. But what does Jesus say when he looks at the paralytic man? He says, what? You're healed. And if that was your answer, you just went to hell like that was a pass fail. No. He said what? Your sins are forgiven. So did he care more about providing healing or salvation? He purified him. It, that's kind of cool, isn't it? When he met the woman at the well and she needed water, did he, did he help her draw water? No. no. He gave her what? Living water so she could become safe. He was far more concerned about the purity of her than the provision. How about this one? David, a man after God's own heart. He loves, that's what God describes him. He has everything. God's provided for him since he's young. And he made some mistakes, but God still kept providing for him. As he grows up and he's more mature, he has all this provision around him. David says, I got all this provision, but what is his prayer? 
He goes to God and he says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous or wicked way in me. What's David saying? I got everything I need from you. You have been with me my whole life. Now let's just check me again. And David understands what? The purification is more important than what? Provision. Okay, how about this one? Joel, when the people of God were in a crisis, they're getting ready to be just decimated in a war. Joel says, pick up your things, let's go out and fight. No, he says what? He calls them to a time of prayer and fasting and says, purify yourselves. If we're going to die, let's die pure. How about Joshua? When they get ready to go into the promised land, God says he's going to part the waters of the Jordan. He's going to hold them up. By the way, for all you doubters, secular history records this event, that the Jordan stopped up. They're going to walk across on dry ground. And Joshua says to them, everybody get your hip waders on. No, he says what? Take the next three days and what? Fast, pray, and consecrate yourselves. Prepare yourselves because what? Tomorrow God is going to do great things among us. Do you see all the great stuff God's doing out of this little itty-bitty church? Purify yourselves because tomorrow he's going to keep doing great things. We want to go with him on this journey. We want his presence and we want his power and then maybe provision. But heck, do you get it? We think of ourselves as small and stronger. Like, I don't know what I'd do if it was big. Let me ask you this. Would you be willing to try? 20,000 people in a church would be a miserable thing to go to, in my opinion. But I'd be willing to try just why? So people could know him. How much will we lay ourselves down? These are the principles of setting aside purification, more important than presence. Hezekiah got this. He took over a messed up Israelite. They had all walked away from God. He called the priests and the Levites back and he was like, you're supposed to be spiritual leaders and you're bad. We're going to do this right. And what did he tell them to do? Go clean the temple and everything, get busy? No, he said what? Fast, pray, and get yourself purified and then we'll go reach the people. Again and again and again and again, it goes on. The idea of experiencing God's presence without purification is ludicrous. <laughs> they go hand in hand. They combine with each other. And, and, and we've seen this for the last seven days. Like we're just desperate to see him, to be in his presence. And he granted us that because most of us are saved. So we get a free pass to start. And, and so we're in that presence. And then he highlights some things. And so that desperation to just be in his presence kind of leads us to this point of, how about desperation to be pure? To get over yourselves, to drop all the excuses, to, to, to ask him to help you with, deal with the shame and forgiveness and whatever you need, but maybe you'd be willing to find out some of those things, like David, search my heart, but I don't know. Like, if we're really going to do this, we need to pursue purification. Not just presence, but Purification. So this idea of having an undefiled relationship with him, like you and you and you, that's how we get a pure church. See, everybody, you got to be pure, and you got to choose pure. And you got to anybody who calls this home, we need to like be trying. We need to be moving down that path. We don't have to be 100 percent perfect. Pure is as much where you're pointed as anything. 
But, but, but that's how you get a pure church. Pure, 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 pure. You are the church, not this building, not me. But, but I just want to tell you, like, just be clear. Pure is not an outside thing. So you can go and you can change all your habits. People do this all the time and they still go to hell. They're still lost. They're still empty. The point is, is this. Purity really starts on the inside. If it starts on the inside, it will affect the outside. But that's our heart. So I'm not saying go change all your stuff so you look good. What I'm saying is just purify your heart so you can stand in his presence. Because these are the most important days, the most important things that are happening. Jesus explained this beautifully when he was talking to a bunch of religious people who looked all perfect on the outside. You see them all over, right? And, and this is what he said. What are you, you hypocrites? For you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind religious leader. I would just say you blind religious people. First clean the inside of the cup and plate. Then the outside may also be clean. That's the purification that we seek. And that's the purification that God, I really believe he's set before us. Like he's the only one who can make us pure. God is the only one who can make us pure. We'll be very clear about that. Even if it requires a choice on your part, He's the only one who can initiate that. He's the only one who can complete it. He's the only one who can do it. So don't go out like, I got to do all this myself. Let me tell you how that works, because I've been doing this a long time. You do it on your own. It's like a diet. Then you fail and you feel bad. If you just walk it out with God, even if it takes a year to get your stuff together, at least you were doing it with him. I have never seen him not fix something in me. And some of you know me a long time. There's things that need to get fixed, but he was able to do it. So God is the only one who can make us pure. So when you approach him, don't be some big offering. Here's my pornography. <laughs> that, who cares? The only, thing, the only one who's going to purify you of any sin or challenge you have is going to be who? God. It's inside. The only way to not want to look at pornography is to get fixed inside. The only way, that's true. Joe told us, this is Joe's testimony when it comes to drugs and stuff, right? After you went to what? Can you get some light on this what guy? When you got to, when you get, when you went to whatever, with AA, NA, whatever, can you, can you is, we have a microphone yet? Yeah. So you, you went, and your testimony as you went, and you looked at the whole meeting, and you thought what? I don't want to be in <laughs> this is no really I identify with this because that's what I see when I go to Sunday school classes <laughs> they've been in these classes for 42 years and they still aren't mature like do you think maybe our system's not working now we love AANA and, and all of them right because they work but Joe said I don't want to be doing this 20 years from now God just heal me and God purified him I'm not saying that'll happen for everybody but I'm saying that's where it happens it happens here how do you get rid of bitterness? You have a whole series online about it. Bake a cake. And every step of that tells you what? Who's the only one who's going to change you inside? And it's going to be what? God. You may make a choice, but your choice is to go to him. Why be pure? Because it rocks. You lay your head down at night and you go, eh, I made a mistake or two, but at least they were accidents. It's an incredible way to live, 
to know how to make business decisions and life decisions and everything. Purity is so much a greater pathway into his presence. Thank you. Okay, here's the new rule. I'm glad you people are getting excited, but if you're going to clap, clap, and if you're not going to clap, don't clap, because whatever that is, is pitiful. It is true, isn't it? Like you guys go and you do a show, and one guy in the back is like, ah, go, God. And then they're really afraid to clap. We always tease that this is the party side, this is the Episcopal side. They're never going to learn to clap unless you go all in. All right, good. So listen, here's the deal. God's the only one who can purify us. His presence is the only thing that will transform us. So we need both those. We need his purification, but his presence is going to be the only thing that transforms, his presence in us and around us. It will actually change you without you even knowing you're getting changed. That is the promise of God. It works, trust me. And purity is far more important than provision. Purity and presence are far more important than provision. Take this week and stop asking him for stuff and just ask him to clean you up. Just like, just clean you so I stand in the middle of these we left them up here it wasn't a show it's because we really didn't want to move them this is the beginning of, of 21 days John it's been great hasn't it and, and we've just sought to be in his presence for the next seven days we're going to sit in his presence and ask a hard question will you purify me is there anything that needs to be purified Could you take my shame? Could you take my stuff? But maybe even then, God, it's just, could you purify my motives and purify where I'm headed? So we're going to do something really old school today. Um, I know it's a minute or two late, but I just don't care. Um, We're going to take the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you want to call it. It is the bread is his body, and it reminds you of how he hung on a cross. Don't be all like, ah! No, it's the celebration. He willingly hung on a cross and shed his blood so we could have this day, so we could stand in his presence. He did that to purify us. And so you're just invited to share in that. But we're gonna do something old school. We're gonna play a song that's like an invitation song, if any of you remember that. And we're gonna open the altar for you to join us. But I don't want you to leave it. If you decide to come, I want you to stay so we can pray together at the end. You pray whatever you want while you take communion. But I don't want you to come. Be, I'm good. Do not come here unless you want to just take a seven-day challenge to purity. If you just go for seven days, whether you take 10 minutes once a day or whether you go all in, you're going to do an hour a day, 6, 12, and 6 here, whatever you're going to carve out, you'll just say, I'm going to give God at least one one half an hour a day, or maybe more, whatever it is, and I'm just going to try to sit in his presence and work and check and, and head towards purification and pray for Doug's purification. Pray for Greg's purification. Pray that God will purify the government. Pray he'll purify our community. Pray he'll purify the daycare. Pray he'll purify. Pray purification over everybody. But don't forget to get yourself pure because it's kind of dumb to ask him to purify somebody else while you got a big old log in your eye, right? Okay, so if... If you want to do that and spend that week, the altar is open and this song 
It's just the coolest song. Will you guys just sing it over them? And if you guys want to come during the song, come. You may want to listen to the beginning of it because it, it rocks. I'll try not to dance. And then we'll pray at the end. Altar's open. They kick off this week. Somebody run communion back to these people. They're trapped. Um, grab it. Run. Go. Let them celebrate. Thank you, tech people. Hey, listen. So this is going to be our prayer for this week. We're, last week, we prayed for his presence. We're not stopping that. And if you want to catch up, there's seven prayers you can pray. We're going to pray. For, but, but this week, we're going to focus on purification. And day one is going to be this. Create in me a clean heart. Amen. So this is going to be our prayer. Can you fire it up there for us? All right. This is going to be our prayer. You guys want to just knock out this morning's prayer, this evening's prayer, whatever? I don't know if anybody's going to be here at 6. We haven't figured that part out yet, but we will be here at 6 a.m., noon and 6, Monday through Friday and Saturday. Got it? But this is, the, this is actually the scripture for day one, or of this week, day eight, <laughs> whatever. This is it. I'm just going to read it, and then let's just pray it together. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That doesn't mean that you're terrible. This is David's prayer when he's already rocking. He's like, I want to go more. This could be your opening prayer. Where you're like, I've never really thought about this, God. Transform me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. This is, a, to me, just a perfect transition from presence to purity. Look, John's nodding, which means it's good because he's our, our old wise man. Ready? All right, so let's just make this our prayer and a happy prayer, a hopeful prayer for a week that we get on the other side of and we're like, cleaner than I was. Ready? Create in me. A clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Amen. Give the Lord a round of applause. You guys have a great day. We'll see you soon.